Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, good morning. Good morning. Everybody looks nice and tired. Um, now, which of you were on the youth trip? Will you raise your hand? Okay, so still quite a few people that weren't. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to go through the introduction. We covered it when we were on the youth trip, but we're gonna, I'm going to go through it again. Um, surely you don't remember the whole thing. But uh, today we're going to go through the introduction, and then I want to talk about one of the points... We'll touch on the point next week, but I want to go into detail about receiving instruction today, and it'll help us with the rest of these points about being mature. Um, this topic is about maturity, and it was a devotional, but I had 17 points because I was told it was going to be over the course of a few days, and so I didn't, but I've shortened it down to 15. So we'll see how we do this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for bringing everybody here this morning that... Uh, came to hear your word and lord i pray that you'd soften our hearts i pray that you'd uh, help us focus and stay awake this morning god and uh, learn these truths and apply it to our lives well thank you in jesus name amen okay so maturity what does it mean to be mature this is a secular definition but it's when defined psychologically maturity has little to do with age in fact your age has almost nothing to do with the level of maturity that a person has Maturity has to do with the ability to react, cope with, and reason in an appropriate way in a given situation. I think that's part of the key, is be able to react and deal with situations appropriately, not based upon your emotions, which is easy to do, but the way a person deals with a crisis or makes decisions. So I want you to think about that. It gives good clues as to the level of maturity that a person has. And everybody in this room wants to be mature because mature people, you know what they get that immature people don't get? Respect. They get treated like an adult. And I remember, I mean, I wasn't a teenager all that long ago, but I told this on the youth trip, those of you that didn't hear, I remember being 14 years old sitting at the Olive Garden and I just turned 14 and the lady came and gave me a kitty cup to, for my meal. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, man, did not want to be treated like a child, but so I assume everyone here is between the ages of what, 13 and 20? Who's the youngest person in here? Ella. Ella. How old is she? Barely, Thir 13. barely 13. Okay. So those are the ages everybody here wants to be treated like an adult, but along those same lines, should everyone be treated like an should everyone be treated like an adult? Yes or no? No. Not everybody should be treated like an adult. So what's it going to take for all of you to be treated like the adults that you think you are? Um, so an adult, let's define what that should be. One definition is someone who's legally responsible for their actions. Another definition is the age at which a person is liable for their own actions, such as contractual obligations or liability for negligence. Where I mean, if you do something wrong, you take the blame. You're old enough to know you shouldn't have done that or you should have done that. So the words adult and mature, you won't find those particularly in that um, the way that adult and mature appear in the Bible, though there are certainly adults and mature people found in the Scripture. We find the principles and words and phrases such as go on into perfection, the wise man, um, the fool, tribulation worketh patience, follow righteousness. The Lord told Job to gird up now thy loins like a man. 
All these traits belong to one that we would consider to be mature. In society today, there's a lot of people who have matured physically. I remember going to school in middle school, being, you know, playing sports and stuff. You're in the locker room with guys, guys that are, you know, 14, 15 year olds, and they shave every day and they got full beards and stuff. And I'm like a little kid. I, I didn't physically grow up until I was probably 18 or 19. But a lot of people mature physically and in age, but have not matured in their behavior. And I think the purpose of this study is to help you guys in this room to be mature, grow up to be mature adults, so that you can receive the proper respect due to being a mature individual and be treated as such. It's also my hope, and the hope of Brother David, and the hope of your parents, that every one of you, as soon as you're able to get a good job that can become a career, you can hold that job because you portray the qualities of someone an employer would love to have and to keep on their team. And along those same lines, you can tie it into a relationship, right? We all, everybody in this room wants to be married someday, but you don't want to marry an immature person, okay? You don't want to marry a lazy person, someone who's disrespectful, arrogant, and smelly. I put that in there. So what are we going to do? We're going to Go through a list of these character traits after we talk about receiving instruction, and we're going to compare the childlike, um, I believe I titled it, um, let's see, the carnal, or the carnal man versus the spiritual man, as would be worded in the scripture. Um, so, let's get right into that. So many, many people in the Bible displayed both mature and immature behavior in the records we have of their lives, words, and actions. Some, often some of the greatest heroes... That we even that we read about this morning have displayed both mature and immature behavior throughout their lifetime. So, can you think of some people in the Old Testament that displayed mature and immature behavior? We talked about this on the youth trip. Adam, okay, he displayed immaturity and blaming his wife in front of God for his disobedience. Eve then turned and blamed the serpent. What were they doing? Making excuses for their wrong behavior. Abel, you know what he did that separated him from Cain? What did Abel do? He followed instructions. He did what he was told and believed God. Cain did not follow the instructions given to him, offered the wrong sacrifice, couldn't control his emotions, and was a whiner when God passed sentence upon him. That's very immature. Um, Abraham displayed both maturity and immaturity at times. Lot displayed immaturity. Joseph displayed great maturity throughout his lifetime, and God blessed him tremendously. Moses displayed maturity but immaturity once though he had a good reason and Samuel he displayed maturity from a very young age Saul Saul displayed immaturity many a time David he displayed maturity from a young age but also made some very immature decisions throughout his lifetime Solomon was very mature from a young age but as we all know yielded to his flesh and it became his downfall in his latter years Jonah Jonah displayed much Immaturity and running from his God-given responsibility. So no matter what stage you guys are at in your life, um, you're going to constantly have to strive to be mature when faced with difficulties and tough decisions. You'll be making some of the most important decisions of your life in the next few years. And I don't think anybody wants to be foolish or in a hurry or hasty um, when it comes to finding a career and comes to marrying a wife and deciding what you're going to do with your life. So what do you do? You guys need to be able to take counsel, okay? Ask questions. 
Don't think you have it all figured out. It's easy to do. All of us do that, okay? Because you know what? You don't have it all figured out. And that's okay. But it's not okay to pretend that you have it all figured out. Because you know what you're doing at the end of the day? When someone's trying to help you and you won't let them because you, you know everything, you're hurting yourself. You don't want to do that. That's going to hurt you. So we want to help you. We want to guide you. But ultimately, the goal is for everybody in this room to have a real relationship with God so that he can guide you and his word can give you direction in the decisions that you make in your life. So please don't give lip service in this youth group because you're only going to hurt yourself in the long run. Okay, so I'm going to call this part one to our maturity study. We're going to talk about receiving instruction. And I want to share this with you guys. I learned this, I think, on a Thursday night in church that there there are four types of people in the book of Proverbs. You've got the fool, the scorner, the simple, and the wise. Has everybody read Proverbs? I hope so. Okay, so what is the fool? What... How's the fool recognized? He hates knowledge. He doesn't want wisdom. The scorner shows contempt. The scorner is a troublemaker. He will not be corrected. The simple is not yet grounded. He reacts to those around him. How does that describe ourselves? You know what the wise man is? The wise man is teachable. The wise man listens. He hears what people tell him. And so God's word takes us from being simple to being wise. It's the only remedy and refuge because the foolish woman will never stop calling. Are you guys in here? So Proverbs chapter 5. You guys want to go to Proverbs chapter 5? So we're going to start. We want to be wise in our decision making. We want people to look at us and notice the wise decisions that we've made. I know a lot of people that are wise. I know a lot of people that are just plain foolish. I hope nobody in here becomes a fool. So Proverbs 5 and verse number 1. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding that thou mayest regard discretion that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Did you guys catch that? You got bow thine ear. Okay? You're the son, the child. And he's describing a, um, this strange woman. She's got some, some positives, some pluses, but they're, they're vain. Okay? There's a lot of, there's, it's a bad end. And so he says, hear me, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. That's verse 8. Lest thou shouldst, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Now, quick side note. I always read this, and I think of this. When you decide to get married and then time goes on can't get along end up getting divorced and i'm sure some of us people in here have parents that are separated um but what happens is whoever was the main breadwinner whoever had the the most income they're going to have to give what's called an alimony 
They write a check to their ex-wife or their ex-husband or whatever every single couple weeks or month or so. And I read this verse and I think of that. Let strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. I work with guys. Part of my job is uh, when we're doing a job for the Department of Transportation, we have to interview people, the workers on the job that are building the road or the bridge or whatever. And I ask them a lot of personal questions. You know, how much do you make? Making sure that they're being compensated properly by their employer. I also make note of who gives alimony, who has child support. And most of these people do. That's sad. Man, their income, everything that they make is going right out the door to their ex-wife or their two ex or their three ex-wives. That's a lot of people. When you get a job, that's going to be most of the people you work with. And it's sad, but you know what they didn't do? They didn't receive instruction when they were taught at a young age. If you ask most of them, I guarantee in this country, most of them grew up going to some church somewhere. They had a grandma that taught them the scriptures or took them to church, but they didn't, they didn't want that. They wanted to go their own way. You know, and what, what's the end of the way that seemeth right unto a man? What's his end? Death. Okay, and it's not a good end. Okay, so back to Proverbs 5. Verse 12, and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me for the ways. Verse 21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. He shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Don't want you guys to die without instruction. You've got plenty of it. You've got the best instruction in the world in this church. So please, please don't take it for granted. Some of you know a little bit about me. Um, I moved 1,300 miles from Nebraska to come here and learn the Bible and learn how to be a Christian from guys like Brother David and Brother James. You guys are in a great place. You're in a great place. But what's going to keep you from being a victorious Christian is, is really your, your heart, your pride, thinking that you've got it figured out or thinking that these preachers are fools. I want to do what I want to do. That's a foolish, foolish way to think. Go to Proverbs chapter 1. We'll start in verse number 5. So, what did we just read about? Someone who hated instruction despised reproof, did not obey the voice of their teachers. And this person died without instruction. Now go to Proverbs 1 verse 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Wise men giving instruction, telling them what to do. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son... Hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Everybody in this room can have the knowledge of God if you'll receive God's words, which tell you to listen. Okay, God's words tell you to hear instruction and obey your parents. That's what God's word is going to tell you to do. And you, that's the knowledge of God. The only people who are unwilling to hear instruction 
they think way too highly of themselves and they're too proud to let someone else tell them what to do. You know what that is? That's the same reason lost people don't get saved. I don't, I don't know if everybody in this room is saved or not. Surely somebody's not saved. Um, but because you're unwilling to hear instruction, that's the same reason, reason people don't come to Christ. They think they're good enough or they are too proud to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God when listening to some foolish-looking preacher speaking to them. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. Don't be on that side, them that perish. Okay, But you, you have to be able to, it all goes back to receiving instruction. You guys got to be able to receive what we're teaching you in order to be saved, in order to live a victorious Christian life. These are simple things, but it's hard to do. Man, letting somebody else boss you around is really tough. It's really tough. So never stop being teachable. I want you guys to remember that. Never stop being teachable. It will greatly help you in your walk with Christ. It will help you keep friends. It will help you keep your job. And finally, it will merit the respect of onlookers and your elders. The respect that you guys so desperately want, but probably won't say it out loud. I know you guys want to be treated like an adult. I know because it wasn't that long ago that I was your guys' age. And it's easy to respect someone who is wise enough to hear and receive instruction. Okay, so now we're going to take a look at an example from the New Testament of a man. This is a man with some influence who received instruction and God was able to use him in a great way. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And then we're going to start in verse number 1. That is not true. Hang on a second. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you. Okay, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I put 1 Corinthians 1 and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Okay, verse number 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you, okay, listen, envying. And, I'm sorry? Oh, chapter 3. Thank you, brother. So chapter 3. Listen, brother David. Okay. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth, he that watereth are one, but every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are laborers together with God. We're going to take a look at this guy, Apollos. He was a man used by God to water the seeds of the gospel that were planted into the hearts of believers in the church at Corinth by the Apostle Paul. 
He is mentioned in this passage as being one with Paul. Apollos is a laborer together with God. But how did he get to this place of being used by God to water the church at Corinth? Acts chapter 18. Go back to Acts chapter 18. Verse number 24. So Apollos, man, he got to water the seeds planted by the Apostle Paul. He didn't start out that way though. Verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he, that's Apollos, mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So Apollos was a well-known preacher. And a bold preacher, preaching that men should repent and turn to God. But he was off in his teaching because it says that he only knew the baptism of John. So this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, they heard Apollos preach one day. So they pulled him aside and politely showed him that he was wrong. You guys, just think about that. Can you imagine Brother David's up here teaching and you guys say, Brother David, can you come here a minute? I want to show you something. You were wrong in what you were teaching. Or you, you don't have it quite figured out. Think about that. Who is Aquila and Priscilla? Who are they? So they pulled him aside. They showed him that he was wrong and he was teaching. And you know that Apollos... Um, you know what Apollos does? He doesn't puff his chest out and say, Who are you to tell me that there is something that I don't know? Apollos received instruction, and he was corrected. Okay? He received instruction and correction willingly, and God was able to use this man to water the seeds that Paul planted in the church at Corinth. And because before honor is humility. And it took some serious humility to be willing to hear where he might be off and be willing to change as a result of being, um, being told by someone else that he was wrong. So what I want you guys to notice is that Apollos showed great maturity in this passage in Acts chapter 18. And afterward, God was able to use him greatly. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I hope so. So Apollos is a great example of someone that received instruction. Um, We've got about five minutes. So I'm going to get started in this list. I've got a list of 15 points, contrast between the immature, the carnal man, and the mature person, the spiritual man. I hope none of us here want to stay carnal, but that's how it starts out for everybody. So number one, the immature person or the carnal man cares only about himself, whereas the mature, the spiritual man, cares about people other than himself, and he looks on the things of others. Philippians 2, 1-4, I'm just going to try to go through this quick. If there, be any, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, 
having the same love, being one accord of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Those are the fruits of a carnal person. Those are the fruits of an immature person striving and envying and vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, do you guys get that? If you want to be mature, you've got to be low in your mind. Let each esteem other better than him themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So if you want to be mature, you need to be able to think about someone other than yourself. I, I gave the illustration when we were on the, on the devotional trip. When I, would, when I would do that, when I was younger, my dad would do this and say, the world does not revolve around you. You know, and Some people don't even think the world revolves around anything. But it definitely doesn't revolve around you and me. So you need to think about somebody else. And none of us would be in this room today if Jesus Christ was selfish, if He was self-willed. He did not do those things which pleased Himself, but He did always those things which pleased His Father. Jesus Christ was doing the will of God, considering the souls of those who would look to Him for deliverance and salvation. Jesus Christ was busy providing the bread of life and living water for those who hungered and thirsted after righteousness. He came to give His life a ransom for many. He made Himself an offering for sin. And He poured out His soul unto death. Jesus Christ was completely and entirely selfless. Okay, number two. The immature person, the carnal man, is hasty in decision making. And the mature person, the spiritual man, is patient. Psalm, uh, Psalm 41, I waited patiently for the Lord. Ecclesiastes 7, 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Notice the contrast. Patient and proud. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, 2 Timothy 2.24, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Okay? Jesus Christ, He could have presently called twelve legions of angels to deliver Him. He said over and over that His hour was not yet come. He did not call down fire from heaven when the Samaritans did not receive Him. He appeared unto the eleven after His resurrection, even though they all forsook Him. Not only that, but every time we let a lost person come in contact with us and we keep our mouths shut about the forgiveness of sin that they could have had, God is long-suffering to us. He's long-suffering to us, Word. Our Lord is patient. Okay, we're going to try to get through a couple more. Okay, the immature person, you know what else he does? This is number three. The immature person and the carnal man makes excuses. We read about Adam and Eve making excuses, right? So what does the mature person do? What's the spiritual man do? What's the contrast to making excuses? Admits when they're wrong. That's hard to do. Okay, so we, we already talked about Adam and Eve. Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. No one here wants no one wants to hear an excuse for why they were late to work, why they did something they shouldn't have done, whatever the case may be. If you mess up, you know what the mature thing to do is just own it. Just say, I messed up. I'm sorry. Shouldn't have done that. That's mature. That displays great maturity. Just admit the reason you're late for church again is because you slept in. You know, everybody's got an excuse for why they're late to anything. 
So the mature person will just admit it. They'll just say, you know what, that was my bad. We'll go through one more. Um, number four, the immature person, the carnal man, speaks their mind. They're full of cursing and bitterness. Whereas the mature person, the spiritual man, thinks before they speak. Wisely spares his word. We covered this on the trip, but I'm going to cover it again. Proverbs 29 20. Seest thou a man hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. And Proverbs 17 27 through 28. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And the man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Keep your mouth shut. That would help a lot of people. Especially if you have no business putting any input into the conversation. It would be better not to say anything than to have those around you think, look at you and think you're stupid because you said something stupid. Feel like an idiot. I don't want to, I hate that feeling. Do we know of anyone in the Bible in the New Testament that ever did something like that? And I think of Peter okay, on the Mount of Transfiguration. You guys can avoid a lot of trouble by just zipping your lips. Now this is interesting. Do you know what Jesus did when he was being accused falsely before the council and the chief priests? It says that he held his peace. He didn't say a word. They were completely wrong, and they were lying through their teeth about him, but he kept his mouth shut. And I think he decided not to answer fools according to their folly. And it, you know, but there's a good example of Jesus Christ. Though he could have defended himself justly, he held his peace. He spared his words, and we'll be helped by that. So I'm going to stop there today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that you'd help all of us, including myself, to take these things to heart, God, and to practice them this afternoon and as we go into this week. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.